Chapter 5 of The Legends of Genesis by Hermann Gunkel, translated by W. H. Karl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 Yahvist, Elohist, Yehovist, Later Collections. The collecting of legends began even in the state of oral tradition. In the preceding pages, we have shown how individual stories first attracted one another and greater complexities of legends were formed. Connecting portions were also composed by these collectors, such, notably, as the story of the birth of the sons of Jacob, which is not at all a popular legend, but the invention of older storytellers, and must have been in existence even before the work of J and E. And there are further additions, such as the note that Jacob bought a field at Shechem, and other similar matters. Those who first wrote down the legends continued this process of collection. The writing down of the popular traditions probably took place at a period which was generally disposed to authorship, and when there was a fear that the oral traditions might die out if they were not reduced to writing. We may venture to conjecture that the guild of storytellers had ceased to exist at this time, for reasons unknown to us. And in its turn, the reduction to writing probably contributed to kill out the remaining remnants of oral tradition, just as the written law destroyed the institution of the priestly Thora, and the New Testament canon the primitive Christian pneumatics. The collection of the legends in writing was not done by one hand or at one period, but in the course of a very long process by several or many hands. We distinguish two stages in this process, the older, to which we owe the collections of the Yahvist designation by J, and the Elohist designation by E, and then a later thorough revision in what is known as the Priestly Codex P. In the preceding pages, as a rule, only those legends have been used which we attribute to J and E. All these books of legends contain not only the primitive legends, of which we have been speaking, but also tell at the same time their additional stories. We may characterize their theme as the choice of Israel to be the people of Yahweh. In the following remarks, however, they will be treated in general only so far as they have to do with Genesis. Yahvist and Elohist Collectors, Not Authors Previous writers have in large measure treated J and E as personal authors, assuming as a matter of course that their writings constitute, at least to some extent, units and originate in all essential features with their respective writers, and attempting to derive from the various data of these writings consistent pictures of their authors. But in a final phase, criticism has recognized that these two collections do not constitute complete unities, and pursuing this line of knowledge still further, has distinguished within these sources still other subordinate sources. But in doing this there has been a neglect to raise with perfect clearness the primary question, 
how far these two groups of writings may be understood as literary unities in any sense or whether on the contrary they are not collections codifications of oral traditions and whether their composers are not to be called collectors rather than authors that the latter view is the correct one is shown one by the fact that they have adopted such heterogeneous materials j contains separate legends and legend cycles condensed and detailed stories delicate and coarse elements primitive and modern elements in morals and religion stories with vivid antique colors along with those quite faded out it is much the same with e who has for instance the touching story of the sacrifice of isaac and at the same time a variant of the very ancient legend of jacob's wrestling with the angel this variety shows that the legends of e and still more decidedly those of j do not bear the stamp of a single definite time and still less of a single personality but that they were adopted by their collectors essentially as they were found secondly the same conclusion is suggested by an examination of the variants of j and of v on the one hand they often agree most characteristically both for instance employ the most condensed style in the story of penuel and in the story of joseph the most detailed for this very reason because they are so similar it was possible for a later hand to combine them in such a way that they are often merged to a degree such that it is impossible for us to distinguish them on the other hand they frequently differ in which case j very often has the elder version but often the reverse thus the robust primitive version of the hagar story in j chapter sixteen is older than the lachrymose version of e chapter twenty one the story of jacob and laban is told more laconically and more naively by j than by e in the narrative of the birth of the children of jacob j speaks with perfect frankness of the magic effect of the mandrakes chapter thirty verse fourteen and following instead of which e substitutes the operations of divine favor chapter thirty verse seventeen in the story of dinah j who depicts jacob's horror at the act of his sons is more just and more vigorous in his judgment than e where god himself is compelled to protect jacob's sons chapter thirty five verse five in the story of joseph the ishmaelites of j chapter thirty seven verse twenty five are older than the midianites of e chapter thirty seven verse twenty eight who afterwards vanish from the account in the testament of jacob his wish according to e chapter forty eight verse seven to be buried beside his best loved wife is more tender and more sentimental than his request in j chapter forty seven verse twenty nine and following to rest in the tomb with his ancestors and other similar cases might be cited on the other hand 
e does not yet know of the philistines in gerar of whom j speaks chapter twenty one verse twenty six the deception of jacob by means of the garb of skins in e is more naive than that by means of the scent of the garments in j the many divine beings whom according to e jacob sees at bethel are an older conception than that of the one Yahweh in the version of j only in j but not yet in e do we suddenly meet a belated israelitising of the legend of the covenant of gilead chapter thirty one verse fifty two in the story of joseph reuben who had disappeared in historical times occupies the same position as does in j the much better known judah of later times the vocabulary of e whereby he avoids the name of Yahweh throughout genesis is based as shown above upon an early reminiscence which is lacking in j on the other hand one cannot deny that this absolutely consistent avoidance of the name of Yahweh before the appearance of moses shows the reflection of theological influence which is wholly absent in j these observations which could easily be extended show also that there is no literary connection between j and e j has not copied from e nor e from j if both sources occasionally agree verbally the fact is to be explained on the basis of a common original source but thirdly the principal point is that we can see in the manner in which the legends are brought together in these books the evidence that we are dealing with collections which cannot have been completed at one given time but developed in the course of history the recognition of this fact can be derived especially from a careful observation of the manner of j since j furnishes us the greatest amount of material in genesis the observation of the younger critics that several sources can be distinguished in j and especially in the story of the beginnings approves itself to us also but we must push these investigations further and deeper by substituting for a predominantly critical examination which deals chiefly with individual books an historical study based upon the examination of the literary method of j and aiming to give a history of the entire literary species the yathist sources in j's story of the beginnings we distinguish three sources two of which present what were originally independent parallel threads it is particularly clear that j contained originally two parallel pedigrees of the race beside the traditional canite genealogy a sethite line of which verse twenty nine is a fragment in combining the two earlier sources a third one is also introduced from which comes the legend of cain and abel which cannot originally belong to a primitive time in the story of abraham also we can recognize three hands into a cycle of legends treating the destinies of abraham and lot 
have been introduced other elements such as the legend of abraham in egypt and the flight of hagar probably from another book of legends still a third hand has added certain details such as the appeal of abraham for sodom more complicated is the composition of the stories of jacob into the cycle of jacob esau and laban have been injected certain legends of worship afterwards there were added legends of the various sons of jacob we are able to survey this process as a whole very well but are no longer able to detect the individual hands while the individual stories of the creation merely stand in loose juxtaposition some of the abraham stories and especially the jacob esau laban legends are woven into a closer unity this union is still closer in the legend of joseph here the legend of joseph's experiences in egypt and with his brothers constitute a well-constructed composition but here too the passage on joseph's agrarian policy chapter forty seven verse thirteen and following which interrupts the connection shows that several different hands have been at work furthermore it is quite plain that the legend of tamar which has no connection with joseph and the blessing of jacob which is a poem not a legend were not introduced until later from this survey we perceive that j is not a primary and definitive collection but is based upon older collections and is the result of the collaboration of several hands the same condition is to be recognized in e though only by slight evidences so far as genesis is concerned as in the present separation by the story of ishmael chapter twenty one verse eight and following of the two legends of gerar chapter twenty chapter twenty one verse twenty five and following which belong together or in the derivation of beersheba from abraham chapter twenty one verse twenty five and following by the one line of narrative from isaac by the other the process of collection the history of the literary collection presents then a very complex picture and we may be sure that we are able to take in but a small portion of it in olden times there may have been a whole literature of such collections of which those preserved to us are but the fragments just as the three synoptic gospels represent the remains of a whole gospel literature the correctness of this view is supported by a reconstruction of the source of p which is related to j in many respects both containing for instance a story of the beginnings but also corresponds with e at times as in the name padan attached to the characterization of laban as the aramean and also contributes in details entirely new traditions such as the item that abraham set out from ur kastim the narrative of the purchase of the cave of machpelah and other matters but for the complete picture of the history of the formation of the collection 
the most important observation is that with which this section began the whole process began in the stage of oral tradition the first hands which wrote down legends probably recorded such connected stories others then added new legends and thus the whole body of material gradually accumulated and thus along with others our collections j and e arose j and e then are not individual authors nor are they editors of older and consistent single writings but rather they are schools of narrators from this point of view it is a matter of comparative indifference what the individual hands contributed to the whole because they have very little distinction and individuality and we shall probably never ascertain with certainty hence we feel constrained to abstain as a matter of principle from constructing a hypothesis on the subject relation of the collectors to their sources these collectors then are not masters but rather servants of their subjects we may imagine them filled with reverence for the beautiful ancient stories and endeavouring to reproduce them as well and faithfully as they could fidelity was their prime quality this explains why they accepted so many things which they but half understood and which were alien to their own taste and feeling and why they faithfully preserved many peculiarities of individual narratives thus the narrative of the wooing of rebecca does not give the name of the city of haran while other passages in j are familiar with it chapter twenty seven verse forty three chapter twenty eight verse ten chapter twenty nine verse four on the other hand we may imagine that they were secretly offended by many things in the tradition here and there combined different versions smoothing away the contradictions between them a little and leaving out some older feature in order to introduce something new and different perhaps the piece of a variant familiar to them that they developed more clearly this motive and that which happened to please them particularly and even occasionally shaped a sort of history by the combination of various traditions and furthermore that they were influenced by the religious ethical and aesthetic opinions of their time to make changes here and there the process of remodeling the legends which had been under way for so long went farther in their hands as to details it is difficult and for the most part impossible to say what portion of these alterations belong to the period of oral tradition and what portion to the collectors or to a later time in the preceding pages many alterations have been discussed which belong to the period of written tradition in general we are disposed to say that the oral tradition is responsible for a certain artistic inner modification and the collectors for a more superficial alteration consisting merely of omissions and additions moreover the chief point of interest is not found in this question 
it will always remain the capital matter to understand the inner reasons for the modifications it is also probable that some portions of considerable size were omitted or severely altered under the hands of the collectors thus the legend of hebron as the promise chapter seventeen verse ten clearly shows presumes a continuation some portions have been omitted from the tradition as we have it probably by a collector other considerable portions have been added after the whole was reduced to writing for instance those genealogies which are not remnants of legends but mere outlines of ethnographic relations furthermore a piece such as the conversation of abraham with god before sodom which by its style is of the very latest origin and other cases of this sort moreover a great primitive poem was added to the legends after they were complete genesis chapter forty nine we cannot get a complete general view of the changes made by these collectors but despite the fidelity of the collectors in details we may assume that the whole impression made by the legends has been very considerably altered by the collection and redaction they have undergone especially probable is it that the brilliant colors of the individual legends have been dulled in the process what were originally prominent features of the legends lose their importance in the combination with other stories the varying moods of the separate legends are reconciled and harmonized when they come into juxtaposition jests perhaps now filled in with touches of emotion or combined with serious stories ceased to be recognized as mirthful the ecclesiastical tone of certain legends becomes the all-pervading tone of the whole to the feeling of later times thus the legends now make the impression of an old and originally many-colored painting that has been many times retouched and has grown dark with age finally it must be emphasized that this fidelity of the collectors is especially evident in genesis in the later legends which had not such a firm hold upon the popular taste the revision may have been more thoroughgoing relation of yahvist to elohist the two schools of j and e are very closely related their whole attitude marks them as belonging to essentially the same period from the material which they have transmitted it is natural that the collectors should have treated with especial sympathy the latest elements that is particularly those which were nearest to their own time and taste the difference between them is found first in their use of language the most significant feature of which is that j says yahva before the time of moses while e says elohim besides this there are other elements the tribal patriarch is called israel by j after the episode of penuel but jacob by e j calls the maid servant sipha 
e calls her ama j calls the grain sack sack e calls it amtahat and so on but as is often the case such a use of language is not here an evidence of a single author but rather the mark of a district or region in very many cases we are unable to distinguish the two sources by the vocabulary then the only guide is that the variants from the two sources present essentially the same stories which show individual differences in their contents thus in j isaac is deceived by jacob by means of the smell of esau's garment in e by the skins a difference which runs through a great portion of the stories or we observe that different stories have certain pervading marks such as that joseph is sold in j by ishmaelites to an egyptian householder but in e is sold by midianites to the eunuch potiphar often evidences of this sort are far from conclusive consequently we can give in such cases nothing but conjectures as to the separation of the sources and where even such indications are lacking there is an end of all safe distinction in the account of the beginnings we cannot recognize the hand of e at all it is probable that he did not undertake to give it but began his book with the patriarch abraham perhaps there is in this an expression of the opinion of the school that the history of the beginnings was too heathenish to deserve preservation often but not always the version of j has an older form than that of e j has the most lively objective narratives while e on the other hand has a series of sentimental tearful stories such as the sacrifice of isaac the expulsion of ishmael and jacob's tenderness for his grandchildren their difference is especially striking in their conceptions of the theophany j is characterized by the most primitive theophanies e on the other hand by dreams and the calling of an angel out of heaven in a word by the least sensual sorts of revelation the thought of divine providence which makes even sin contribute to good ends is expressly put forth by e in the story of joseph but not by j accordingly there is reason for regarding j as older than e as is now frequently done their relation to the prophetic authors is to be treated in subsequent pages inasmuch as j in the story of joseph puts judah in the place of reuben since he gives a specifically judean version in the case of the legend of tamar and because he has so much to say of abraham who it seems has his real seats in hebron and in negeb southward of judah we may agree with many recent critics in placing the home of this collection in judah it has been conjectured on the contrary that e has its home in northern israel 
in fact this source speaks a great deal of northern israelitic localities but yet at the same time much of beersheba furthermore in the story of joseph e hints once incidentally at the reign of joseph chapter thirty seven verse eight though this too may be derived from the tradition certainly it cannot be claimed that the two collections have any strong partisan tendency in favor of the north and south kingdoms respectively other characteristics of the collectors than these can scarcely be derived from genesis of course it would be easy to paint a concrete picture of j and e if we venture to attribute to them whatever is to be found in their books but this is forbidden by the very character of these men as collectors the age of the yahvist and elohist schools the question of the absolute age of j and e is exceedingly difficult we who believe that we have here to deal with a gradual codification of ancient traditions are constrained to resolve this question into a number of subordinate questions when did these traditions arise when did they become known as israel when did they receive essentially their present form when were they written down that is to say our task is not to fix a single definite date but we are to make a chronological scale for a long process but this is a very difficult problem for intellectual processes are very difficult in general to fix chronologically and there is the further difficulty that blocks us in general with all such questions about the old testament that we know too little about ancient israel in order to warrant positive conclusions in the present case very many of the chronological conjectures of literary criticism in so far as they are based only upon the study of the history of religion are more or less unsafe the origin of many of the legends lies in what is for israel a prehistoric age even the laconic style of the legends is primitive the stories of the judges are already in a more detailed style after the entrance of israel into canaan foreign themes come in in streams very many of the legends presuppose the possession of the land and a knowledge of its localities among the israelitish subjects the genealogy of the twelve sons of jacob does not correspond with the seats of the tribes in canaan and must therefore represent older relations the latest of the israelitish legends of genesis that we know treat the retirement of reuben the origin of the families of judah and the assault upon shechem that is events from the earlier portion of the period of the judges in the latter portion of this period the poetic treatment of races as individuals was no longer current by this time new legends of the patriarchs had ceased to be formed the period of the formation of legends of the patriarchs is then closed with this date about twelve hundred 
the correctness of this estimate is confirmed by other considerations the sanctuary at jerusalem so famous in the time of the kings is not referred to in the legends of the patriarchs on the contrary the establishment of this sanctuary is placed by the legends of worship in the time of david second samuel chapter twenty four the reign of saul the conflict of saul with david the united kingdom under david and solomon the separation of the two kingdoms and the war between them we hear no echoes of all this in the older legends a clear proof that no new legends of the patriarchs were being formed at that time at what time the legends of moses joshua and others originated is a question for discussion elsewhere remodeling of the legends the period of the formation of the legends is followed by one of remodeling this is essentially the age of the earlier kings that is probably the time when israel was again gathered together from its separation into different tribes and districts to one united people the time when the various distinct traditions grew together into a common body of national legends the great growth which israel experienced under the first kings probably yielded it the moral force to lay claim to the foreign tales and give them a national application at this time the jacob esau legend received its interpretation referring to israel and edom israel has in the meantime subjected edom the event occurring under david and judah retaining her possession until about eight forty meanwhile ephraim has outstripped manasseh probably in the beginning of the period of the kings in the legend of joseph there occurs an allusion to the dominion of joseph chapter thirty seven verse eight from e which however found its way into the legend at some later time the dreadful syrian wars which begin about the year nine hundred are not yet mentioned in the jacob laban legend but only occasional border forays the city of ashur which was the capital until thirteen hundred has passed from the memory of the hebrew tradition but nineveh chapter ten verse eleven the capital from about one thousand on seems to be known to it accordingly we may at least assume that by nine hundred b c the legends were essentially so far as the course of the narrative goes as we now read them as for allusions to political occurrences later than nine hundred we have only a reference to the rebellion of edom about eight forty which however is plainly an addition to the legend chapter twenty seven verse forty the other cases that are cited are inconclusive the reference to the assyrian cities chapter ten verse eleven and following does not prove that these passages came from the assyrian period for assyria had certainly been known to the israelites for a long time just as little does the mention of kila warrant a conclusion 
for the city was restored in 870, though it had been the capital since about 1300. According to Lagarda, the Egyptian names in Genesis chapter 41 bring us down into the 7th century, but this is by no means positive, for the names which were frequently heard at that time had certainly been known in earlier times but even though no new political references crept into the legends after about nine hundred and though they have remained unchanged in their essentials from this time on they may nevertheless have undergone many internal alterations this suggests a comparison with a piece like genesis chapter forty nine this piece coming from the time of david harmonizes in tone with the oldest legends hence we may assume another considerable change during which the religious and moral changes in the legends above mentioned were taking place this period lasts into that of the collection of the legends and is closed by it relation of the collections to the prophets when did the collection of the legends take place this question is particularly difficult for we have only internal data for its solution and we can establish these in their turn only after establishing the date of the sources so unfortunately we are moving here in the familiar circle and with no present prospect of getting out of it investigators must consider this before making unqualified declarations on the subject furthermore it is to be borne in mind that not even these collections were completed all at once but grew into shape through a process which lasted no one can say how many decades or centuries the real question in fixing the date of the sources is the relation of the two to the authors of the prophets now there are to be sure many things in genesis that suggest a relation with these prophets but the assumption of many modern critics that this relation must be due to some direct influence of the prophetic writers is very doubtful in many cases we do not know the religion of israel sufficiently well to be able to declare that certain thoughts and sentiments were first brought to light by the very prophets whose writings we possess all later than amos the earnestness with which the legend of the deluge speaks of the universal sinfulness of mankind and the glorification of the faith of abraham are not specifically prophetic the hostility of the collectors to the images of Yahweh and to the asharim or sacred poles of which they never speak to the masebah or obelisks which j passes over but e still mentions to the golden calf which is regarded by the legend according to e as sinful as well as to the teraphim which the jacob laban legend wittily ridicules all of this may easily be independent of prophetic influence sentiments of this nature may well have existed in israel long before the prophets indeed we must assume their existence in order to account for the appearance of the prophets true e calls abraham a nabi 
or prophet in chapter 20 verse 7 that is to say he lived at a time when prophet and man of god were identical but the guild of the nebeim was flourishing long before the time of amos and in hosea also chapter 12 verse 14 moses is called a prophet accordingly there is nothing in the way of regarding e and j both as on the whole pre-prophetic this conclusion is supported by a number of considerations the prophetic authors are characterized by their predictions of the destruction of israel by their polemic against alien gods and against the high places of israel and by their rejection of sacrifices and ceremonials these very characteristic features of the prophets are absent in j and e in genesis j has no notion of other gods at all except Yahweh, and jacob's abolition of alien gods for the sake of a sacred ceremony in honor of Yahweh, chapter 35 verse 4 in the tradition of e does not sound like a prophetic utterance of an opposition to strange gods there is never any talk at least not in genesis and while these collections contain nothing that is characteristically prophetic they have on the other hand much that must needs have been exceedingly offensive to the prophets they have for instance an especially favorable attitude toward the sacred places which the prophets assail so bitterly they maintain toward the primitive religion and morality a simple leniency which is the very opposite of the fearful accusations of the prophets we can see from the prophetic redaction of the historical books what was the attitude of the legitimate pupils of the prophets toward ancient tradition they would certainly not have cultivated the popular legends which contained so much that was heathen but rather have obliterated them in view of these considerations we must conclude that the collections took shape in all essentials before the period of great prophetic writings and that the touches of the spirit of this movement in j and e but show that the thoughts of the prophets were in many a man's mind long before the time of amos this conclusion is supported by a number of other considerations the legend of the exodus of abraham which glorifies his faith presumes on the other hand the most flourishing prosperity of israel and accordingly comes most surely from the time before the great incursion of the assyrians and pieces which from the point of view of the history of legends are so late as chapter fifteen or as the story of the birth of the sons of jacob contain on the other hand very ancient religious motives but this does not exclude the possibility that certain of the very latest portions of the collections are in the true sense prophetic thus abraham's conversation with god before sodom is in its content the treatment of a religious problem but in form it is an imitation of the prophetic expostulation with god joshua's farewell 
from Joshua chapter 24, with its unconcealed distrust of Israel's fidelity, is also, in form, an imitation of the prophetic sermon. In the succeeding books, especially the portions due to E, there is probably more of the same character. But in Genesis, the instances are rare. Accordingly, we may locate both collections before the appearance of the great prophets, J, perhaps in the ninth century, and E in the first half of the eighth. But it must be emphasized that such dates are, after all, very uncertain. The Jehovist Redactor The two collections were united later by an editor, designated as R, whom, following Wellhausen's example, we shall call the Jehovist. This union of the two older sources took place before the addition of the later book of legends, to be referred to as P. We may place this collection somewhere near the end of the kingdom of Judah. R manifests in Genesis the most extraordinary conservatism and reverence. He has expanded a great amount of keenness in trying to retain both sources so far as possible and to establish the utmost possible harmony between them. In general, he probably took the more detailed source for his basis, in the story of Abraham, J. He himself appears with his own language very little in Genesis. We recognize his pen with certainty in a few brief additions which are intended to harmonize the variants of J and E but of which there are relatively few. Chapter 16, verse 9 and following, chapter 28, verse 21b, and further in chapter 31, verse 49 and following, chapter 39, verse 1, chapter 41, verse 50, chapter 45, verse 19, chapter 46, verse 1, chapter 50, verse 11, and several points in chapter 34 but the most of these instances are trifles. Furthermore, there are certain, mostly rather brief, additions, which we may locate in this period, and probably attribute to this redactor or to his contemporaries. Some of them merely run over and deepen the delicate lines of the original text. Chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, chapter 20, verse 18, chapter 22, verses 15 through 18. Some are priestly elaborations of profane narratives, chapter 13, verses 14 through 17, chapter 32, verses 10 through 13. The most of them are speeches attributed to God, chapter 13, verses 14 through 17, chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, chapter 22, verses 15 through 18, chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, verse 24, verse 25a, chapter 28, verse 14, chapter 46, verse 3, chapter 32, verses 10 through 13, chapter 50, verse 24 which is characteristic for these latest editions, 
which profess only to give thoughts and not stories speeches containing especially solemn promises for israel that it was to become a mighty nation and take possession of all these lands incidentally all the people are enumerated which israel is to conquer chapter fifteen verses nineteen through twenty one chapter ten verses sixteen through eighteen these additions come from the period when the great world crises were threatening the existence of israel and when the faith of the people was clinging to these promises that is to say probably from the chaldean period here and there we meet a trace of deuteronomistic style chapter eighteen verses seventeen through nineteen chapter twenty six verses three through five end of chapter five